looking at Matthew 28, 18, or 16 through 20. Good morning, Reliance. So, scripture this morning is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus has designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you, Julie. Will you join me in prayer one last time? Lord, I thank you for this privilege that we are able to gather this morning, and uh, we're thankful that you even answered our prayers this morning. We don't need it. We don't need power. We don't need AC. We, we do not need those things. We need your word. And we know that your word gives us life, that it is more refreshing than water. And so, Lord, as we consider these things, as we consider these things as a people, Lord, I pray that you would... Have your Holy Spirit work such a power within us that we would express our faith. Not be ashamed of the gospel, but be a people that are diligent to stir one another to love and good deeds. And to speak confidently and clearly about the hope within Christ wherever you might send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ loved his his disciples. He loved them, and so he sent them. If you guys have been with us for the last three weeks, we have been talking about how we think through the process of discipleship. Uh, I don't think discipleship is rocket science. I think we often contemplate what it is. And through this, we've tried to show in the last three weeks how we think through it. And I don't know if you know it, but every day, every Sunday that you come into this church, on the right-hand side of the door, you'll see three words. Embrace the gospel. Remain in Christ. And we have expressed your faith. And as we think, we spoke two weeks ago talking about what does it mean to embrace the gospel. That means to embrace Christ and His Word. Last week we talked about the significance of what Christ has done through a people, drawing them out of the world and integrating them into a whole new type of people. And in that, we see that we get to love Christ as we get to love one another as we pursue Christ as a community. And today, I just want to reflect and recall these principles to our mind because it's important to reflect on these things, what it is to express our faith. Christ loved his disciples, and so he sent them. Um, this Sunday's bittersweet, as you've already sensed it and seen it. Um, but here in a few minutes, I'm also going to bring up Brandon. On Friday, we put his theological feet to the fire. And four, five uh, elders, two, three, and full-time ministry grilled him for three hours concerning his personal life, his biblical knowledge, his theology, and his pastoral care. And we weren't easy on you either, were we? And he passed, and we affirmed him that evening to become not just Brandon, but 
Pastor Brandon. And so at the end of this, uh, this service, towards the end of my message, I'm going to call him up and the elders are going to pray for him. So I say it's bittersweet, knowing that Lisa's last week is this week, and Brandon is now transitioning with his family in just a few weeks to go on to the mission field. And so as I was preparing Monday, I realized that this is the last time. Because as you know, I do not preach in June. This will be the last time, probably for a long time, that you will sit under the, the teaching that I give every Sunday. So I was saddened by that. Not that I think that it plays a part, but I do think that uh, it has played a part. As a people, as a whole. And so you have heard me say, reliance on the past, that I don't write sermons for one person. And it's true. We shouldn't. Because the scriptures are applying to all people. And they equally convict all of us. And we don't write sermons as pastors for a couple. But then again, let's be honest, it's your weekend. Lisa, this is your last week, and Brandon, you'll be transitioning to pastor. So I would like to ask your reliance. Can I speak to them on your behalf? And as I speak unto them on your behalf, I would like to use the time to encourage them. They're leaving. And they're transitioning off. And this is a discipleship movement for us as Reliance. Because we set out to do this. Christ loved his disciples. And so he sent them. You should be familiar with this as a parent. You get, what, 18 years? To love your children. But because you love your children, there's a point. Because you love your children, you sent them off. If you don't experience that experience, you yourself have experienced this experience. In which at one point your own parents said, we love you, now go. As a teacher in high school, you recognize that you invest for whatever amount of time that you get a student that you love and you equip them so that when they're done with high school, you love them in such a way that when they're done, what are they? You send them. College, whatever. This is a part of our DNA as a church. We don't gather people. The church is not to gather people in such a way that we love them to the point where we just keep them from the world. And so, Reliance, I want, while I speak directly to them, I want to remind us as well that we love. We ought to love one another in such a way because God himself has loved and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to us. And that I pray that a church, a church that understands the process of discipleship, recognizes that at some point, like as you see every second Sunday of every month, we bring a local, non-profit, gospel-centered expression within this city in which you are invited to participate in the expression of your faith. Whether that be Grace Kitchen, whether it be you medical, we love you so we send you. So I'll realize I just want to ask, while I might be narrow this morning, I want to speak on your behalf as we encourage them. Because this is really what we have to send out to do. So, four things that I would like to remind you, Brandon and Lisa. On behalf of Reliance Fellowship, I want to remind you of this truth. God our Father loved his son, and so he sent him. It was Joseph, when he was engaged to Mary, found, to be her, find, found her to be pregnant. And Joseph was a righteous man, and he didn't want to shame her. And so as a result of not wanting to shame her, he was intended to send her away privately. And it was in that moment, Joseph could not perceive how this is possible. 
but God made himself aware to Joseph and revealed to him, Joseph, I'm doing something more wonderful than you can comprehend. But so that you might understand some of it, God revealed to Joseph what he was doing. And we read, and I spent a lot of our time thinking through discipleship, and you could do this with any of the Gospels, but I've spent a lot of our time just in Matthew through these last three weeks. But God sent his only beloved son, and so when Joseph was not able to comprehend how his fiance was pregnant, God in his grace revealed these things to Joseph, and he wrote in Matthew 1, or revealed in Matthew 1, 20-21. But when he had considered this, to divorce his fiance, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child you have has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God our Father loved his son, and so he sent him. Christ our Savior was not sent or revealed to humanity by the will of man, but by the power and the will of our Father. And as a result of this, this child did not find his arrival through the agency of men, but through the agency of our Father in heaven. And it was like these principles, as, as I walk through these, I don't want you to forget them. These are elementary principles to the Christian faith that then shape the way that we live in the, front of the, world, in the, in the world in front of us. And if it was the Father who is determined, God, normally in my, uh, I guess, I wanted to name my only son Jacob. My wife said no. There's too many Jacobs in our family. But traditionally, <laughs> fathers get to name their children. And Joseph's told you will adopt this child who's not your own, and you will name him the name that I determined. And so the father told Joseph, by the way, she's pregnant by my power of the Holy Spirit, and you will name him Jesus. And here is his predetermined course of how I want you to raise him. He will pay for this. He will save his people from their sins. Joseph played very little part in the sending of Jesus Christ. Rather, he simply received him. God our Father is sending His one and only Son. Our God is ascending God. He affirms those whom He sent. It wasn't just Joseph that had this revealed revelation about what God was doing. We could go all the way back through Matthew and we could marvel at how God, trying to show that God was doing something. He sent His beloved Son. He arranged the stars so that the Magi could come from the east and come and worship Him. Even when King Herod wanted to kill the son, God revealed in a dream to Joseph how to flee. God raised up a prophet proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so when John the Baptist saw the one who was promised, he said, I am not even unfit, I'm not fit to even untie your sandals. Jesus says, let this take place, let my baptism be done to fulfill all righteousness. And when Jesus was baptized, God the Father did not have to do this. But so that we might know that God is ascending God, that He loves those whom He sends. He rolled back the heavens, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove, and lighting on Him, He declared from the heavens, This is my beloved Son, 
in whom I am well pleased. Brian and Lisa, I want to remind you, God loved his son, so he sent them. Him. Sorry, excuse me. Him. Not them. Him. And God our Father is the sending God. Reliance, God our God, is a sending God. You should see within a culture of a church this plea, go. Don't be idle with your faith. Speak confidently of the truth that you know. Because to withhold is to stand contrary to the God who has saved you in Christ. And so we often must ask are we, and evaluate, are we using the time that God has given in such a way that would reflect what God has done for me? Jesus himself, you might see this heavy emphasis in the early parts of Matthew of God the Father revealing, this is my beloved Son. But Jesus himself was not ignorant of his appearing. He knew exactly what the Father had sent him to do. And if you remember, it was two weeks ago, Jesus asked Peter, who do the crowds say that I am? And in Jesus, the Peter's response, well, the crowds say that, that you are a prophet. Jesus, looking to Peter, said, but who do you say that I am? And it was Peter's declaration that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was upon this confirmation of faith, Jesus then reveals to them why he was here. I came to save my people from their sins. And Jesus was not unaware of his arrival or his appearing or his purpose. So that he said in Matthew 16, 21 to the disciples, my Father, who loves me, sent me to do this. So from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples, Matthew 16, 21, that he must go. He must go. Why? Because he's been sent. Go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Do you remember Peter's response? Up throughout this whole ministry, we can remember when Jesus saw a demon, he rebukes the demons. Go. When Peter hears that Jesus Christ is going to die, Peter, in the same tone in which Jesus rebuked a demon, Peter then rebukes this calling of Jesus. And he says in Matthew 6.22, Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. You don't rebuke God. But yet, Peter doesn't know why he was sent. Brandon, you will go out into a ministry. And when you're in Estonia, there will be those who will want to manipulate why Jesus came. And in that moment, you stand on the principles of why Jesus came. Those of you at Reliance, there are those whom you work with want to manipulate who Jesus Christ is. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. He's an instructor. He only want, they only want him to merely be that. But who do you say that he is? He is the Son of God. He is the living God. And Peter is rebuking why he was sent. The world does not want to acknowledge that we are sinners. In desperate need of a Savior. Peter says, began to rebuke him, and he said, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Consider Jesus' response. You don't get to redefine why the Son was sent. 
But he turned. Jesus he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. We do not get to redefine who this God-man is. God loved the Son so that he sent him with a purpose, a specific purpose. You are a stumbling block to me. You stand in the way of why I was sent. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's interests. Jesus, the Son of God, the Father, knew he was sent. He was sent so that he might save his people from their sins. And the means by which saving was accomplished was on the cross. Peter says, no way, God forbid it. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You cannot redefine who Christ is. And so that we might remember, as Jesus does rebuke Peter, say, get behind me, Satan. Jesus Christ is indeed, and the Father, patient. He brings Peter along. He wants to shepherd him. You will find people who are wanting to make Jesus a prophet or a teacher. But you should be patient just as Christ was patient with them. Just as I hope you are with reliance. As you go into the world, that you are patient with those around you. Because do you remember what Jesus did for Peter? Peter, James, and John, six, eight days, six days. Six days later, he takes them up on a mountain. And as he takes them up on the mountain, God reveals to these men in an extending way the power and the glory of God. And God the Father himself will step in in between the conflict and reveal why he sent his Son. Oh, let me read it because it is a powerful testimony of God's patience, patience to bring a people along to understand who his Son is. Matthew 17, 2-9. And as they were up on the mountain, Jesus, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. A supernatural, exciting moment. Jesus, has, for these last several years, has humbled himself in a position so that people might come to him. But yet on the mountain, he's revealed as who he is. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good. It's good for us to be here. So if you wish, man, you are God. You are the living God. You are the Son of God. So if you wish, I would like to make three tabernacles here. Let's just live in this moment. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, if that was not enough, the Father shows up. A bright cloud overshadowing them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him in what means? That God the Father, whom he loves, and the Son, sent the Son to free his people from their sins. And when the son says, I must go to Jerusalem so that my people may be saved from their sins, do not stand in their way, in his way. Verse 6. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. I pray that everyone gets that opportunity. 
be terrified to see the wonder of Christ through you. It's not terrified of like, it's an overwhelming, I think of the mental fuse. We all fuses in our cars, and when too much energy goes through it, it goes. And there is a moment which we all should recognize that has occurred to us. And that's why we gather every Sunday, is to hope that that fuse could just, again, to see Christ elevated in our lives and our minds, so that when we come to grips with this reality, we can proclaim it to the world around us. Christ is awesome. The Father loves them. And you ought to listen to them. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up. Do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus, he has to tell them. <laughs> now I know you might be a little excited, but these things are true. He says, Until these things are accomplished, tell no one. Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Brandon and Lisa, on behalf of Reliance, I want to remind you, God the Father loved His Son, so He sent Him to die for your sins. And as you go to a world that would love to redefine Him, don't. Stand firm on the principles of Christ. Two, on behalf of Reliance, I want to remind you, because the Son who is the eternal image of the Father, loved His disciples, and as we read this morning, sent them. You can read with me in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee. This is fitting. Super fitting. Why in the world would Jesus call them to Galilee? As those who have come to know the Scriptures and to read the Gospels, the place of Galilee is the place of discipleship. This is where He taught His disciples. And He called them, look at what He says, when the eleven disciples perceived the Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. I've stood upon that mountain. You can see the whole landscape of Galilee. You can see as the disciples walked up to Christ, you can see the place in which Peter was told, Peter, throw your nets into the sea. And Peter, not knowing fully who Christ is at that time, said, Sir, I've been fishing all night. I haven't caught a thing. But in obedience, he threw him over the, the nets over. And you know, in that moment, Peter can see and remember in his beginnings of discipleship of a God who can call the fish into the nets so much that it capsized, capsized and tearing the nets and the boats. From that mountain, you could see and look to the left there, the location of which the Sermon on the Mount was preached and which the thousands came to hear and still hear today. You could look down upon the Sea of Galilee and remember when the winds fought against them. They couldn't paddle. They were stuck in the middle. Galilee was the place of discipleship. Disciples could remember when they, all effort of human strength could not get them forward or backwards. Marvel at the night and when Jesus walked upon the waters. Peter said, it's you, Lord, call me to come on the waters. Peter, hearing Christ's response, said, come out. And Peter, literally upon the mountain, see the place where he walked on the waters for a few seconds. 
Or how about the Gentile region across or the demon-possessed man who was possessed by the legions of demons? The place in which Christ discipled his disciples with one simple word, go, the demons flee. Feeding in the 5,000, Galilee. He called his disciples to Galilee, the place that he discipled them. It was here in that place that they were instructed, equipped, prepared to be sent. This reality, God still does. Where does Christ, who's head of the church, disciple his people? The church. It's the place in which he calls up a people to glove upon one another so that they might express their faith to the world around them. And I would say, Brandon and Lee said that God has done something through you in these last six years. It has been a delight to see you. Oh, I, I could think of the stories, and I don't want to spend too long on this. But I do remember the time in which you were going down to Portland. Something happens with your car, and in that you have no resources to pay for your car to get repaired. And you ask, should I be doing this? Is seminary even worth it? And you're giving up your time, your efforts, and your resources that you saw people love upon you and provide for you. During the season in which you couldn't find a place to live, you were able to saw five people offer up their homes to love upon you. And in that moment, God provided a house where you currently were at, where once a missionary once lived and was sent off, and now you once lived there and now are being going to be sent off. The house must be cursed with God's blessing. <laughs> but this is where God has discipled you. This is how he has loved you. So this place should be a familiar place for you in which you can look back and say, God raised us up. I, saw, I know that true for myself. When I was at New Life Fellowship to be a part of a people who loved me. And that was only four years. But before that, I sat in a church for 28 years. And some of them sat amongst the people who loved me. Taught me in Sunday school. Held me accountable. I remember it's the little things. A woman sweeping the, the rocks off the sidewalk. And as a young 12-year-old, being a jerk, kicked the rocks back onto the sidewalk. Seeing this woman who was not my mother act like my mother. Give me the broom and say, that is disrespectful. Sweep the rocks back where they belong. Discipleship. Because we need a church to disciple young men, young women to love Christ. And we live in the midst of a world that would love to get you out of the people of God and out of the church. This is where God disciples his people. And calling his people to, to, to Christ calling his eleven to, the, uh, to Galilee, this was fitting. And they knew when they saw him, look at verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some of them were doubtful. Like, how do you respond to someone who's risen from the dead? Is the proper response worship? And so then to satisfy the proper response, Jesus says in verse 18, and Jesus came up and he spoke. He spoke to them. And he spoke to people he loved. And you spend enough time around people for three or four years, like Jesus did with these 12, these 11. He loved them. But let me just remind you, knowing that he loved them, what he sent them into. Because he knew what he was sending them into. 
God our Father sent His one and beloved Son. He didn't send Him into a prosperous opportunity. He sent Him to what? Cross. Reality is, is that Christ, knowing where He was sending His disciples, He had prepared them already. Matthew 10, 16-21 Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake, sending you out into a world where there the world will not love you. Being brought to the highest courts as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. What are you going to do, Eleven? But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speaks, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against his parents and cause them to put to death. Jesus loved his disciples and sent them to this. Well, that stands in conflict for what we Americans think. One thing that we respond to the gospel life will get better. Jesus preaches a whole different message. He loved his disciples, so he sent them to a world that hated them. And he loved them. Jesus loved these men. He knew exactly what he was sending in them, and he taught them in order to find the opportunity to stand in that. It's not, this message is not just for Brandon and Lisa. It's meant also to remind us the workplaces, even our families, even the schools that we live in, do not want to hear Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. They don't want to hear it. And you will find opposition wherever you go. But in the hour of opposition reliance, do not fear. Do not worry. Because when you proclaim the gospel, the truth of the gospel, it is the power of God who speaks with you to pierce the hearts of men. And you will be days, many days, where you think, does even those here in Estonia love God, believe me, be open to it. Not by your power will you transform any. But the power of the Holy Spirit, which will open the hearts of many. And so you do your part. You stand. You be obedient. You proclaim. And when you face opposition, don't be defensive. Be Term and what Christ has given you in your hope in Him. One, God our Father loved His one only begotten beloved Son, so He sent Him. Two, the Son loving His disciples, He sent them. Reliance, I want to remind you, we are the, uh, this is my third point, three or four, we're getting there. I want to remind you, Reliance Fellowship exists because there was a church, not church, but church is. That loved Adam and I and sent us. This congregation didn't exist seven and a half years ago. God, rich in his mercy, discipled two families in Dallas, Texas. I didn't want to do church planning. When I met Adam, I suspect, and I don't want to go over and say it, speak for him, but I suspect that he didn't anticipate that God would want him to do church planning as well. But through his people, he raised up a people to love us in such a way that he might send us through them and to bring within our hearts a desire to come here. But not, but that, that's, how, that's how it's always been, isn't it? 
This is how God has always done it. It's so sad that in our generation, we are more familiar with church splits than church sending opportunities. And it's just, it's a critique for the American church to remember that we ought to love one another and respond in obedience to one another so that we might be sent. Because if you're ever in an opportunity to see a church send the people they love, that's powerful. The world doesn't understand why you would not contain, but then you say, here's our best fruit, now eat it. And I remember sitting with my small group leaders and weeping with them with the reality that I and my family were leaving. And I know for Adam and Kim that was true. But we know this, as we read just two weeks ago in Matthew 16, in light of Peter's declaration of faith, Jesus told Peter, I will build my church. And because I'm going to build my church, I will raise up those whom I might send. Seven and a half years ago, this Reliance community did not exist. Why does it exist? Because a people loved us and sent us. Go. Therefore, make disciples of all the nations, Jesus says to the disciples. And this pattern has been been, been practiced throughout the ages as the tradition of what churches are supposed to do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe. Let me. I'm going to pick because I'm going to run out of time. Teaching them to observe. This does not mean to see. Observe does not mean see. Christ did not say, teach them so that they may see my commandments. Christians who understand the principles of God, that is not Christ's intent. You saw the rebuke. You know the rebuke, right? When Jesus was before the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he can't get them to do what they see, he rebukes them in Matthew 23. One. And so he takes his stand, and he spoke to the crowds in chapter 23, verse 1, and to his disciples, and he says, saying, he's like he's got a finger right at them. The scribes and the Pharisees who have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, therefore all that they tell you, do and observe. Do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. It is one thing to know that immorality is wrong. It's another thing to flee from immorality. Fleeing immorality, immorality, observing. To know that immorality is wrong and then not respond to it is just merely seeing and then rebelling against it. We are prone merely in our culture to be merely intellectually aware, maybe just to see, hear the commands of Christ. But the gospel is this, that it will transform you so that you might observe it. And so I want to remind you, what does it mean to observe? To keep. To fulfill. To persist in. To hold on to. Not letting loose of it. Guard. Teach my disciples to observe. To hold fast. To be a people who live their lives upon the rock.
as the world in which the disciples are being sent into, they're going to test where you're standing. And in that hour, protect, stand, hold fast, observe to all that I teach. And this is what the world desperately needs, is to see a people who do such things. We join in historical work, Reliance does, throughout the ages when we observe, live according to the standards. And if you've been here, I hope you understand, this has been our hope. It's one thing to intellectually understand this, but it's nothing, that, that's not our intent. One of our ambitions is, is that when we preach the word of God, it convicts us. And when it convicts us such a way that we respond to it and changes the way that we live in the world in front of us. We're not a naive people. We don't just see the gospel. We live in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we mean when we say express your faith. Not just those who see. And we're not selective either, are we? Teaching them, he says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all. Don't be selective. All of God's truths are good. And they're worth standing on. In our world, which wants to pick Jesus apart, it is tempting to pick the things at which comfort society. Preach all of God's word. All of his commandments. Because they are all great and wonderful. Which brings me then to my last point. We have been trying to disciple people for a while. And it was, what, 2014-something? Adam preached a sermon. I still remember it. That's good. You should be preaching more often. You'll preach in June. And I know you'll remind remind us of, again, many things. In that message, Adam called our church to pray this request. Lord, would you let us be a blessing to the nations? Invite us. We want to be involved in what you're doing. And when we went to Catania back several years ago and coming back, I came before you and I said, we need people to go. Maybe to Catania, wherever. So when it was 2020 and you came to the elders and said, we think we need to go, that pushed me up for a little bit. Well, go meant other people, right? That's yeah, other people that God needs to send. God the Father sent those. God, let me rephrase this. God the Father, whom he loved, sent his one and only begotten Son. Jesus loved his disciples and sent them. We were loved by churches and they sent us. It is fitting that God would choose you. Why? Because we love you. And God is discipling us as a church in this moment. God the Father was willing to partake of His one and beloved Son, that we might be blessed by His one and only Son. That it would be fitting for us to learn to give up of one we love. And I pray that as you go, we are reminded of the discipleship that God is calling us to, to support and to pray and to encourage those whom He has raised to be sent. Because we know, as we read in this, go therefore and make all disciples of all the nations, 
is not, not so narrow to mean just Pasco, Kennewick, and Richland, and West Richland, and Prosser, and Bentley. The world. For God so loved the world. And it brings us great joy that God would raise us up. And reliance, this is not the last time that this will happen. Because we are a people who are praying for more. We want to be a blessing to the nations. And so if you're about to retire, we, we, we would love to see you go. If you're thinking about a career, there is no greater career than this. To proclaim Christ. To give up everything and to know Christ. There is a reason the apostles, after Jesus ascended to the heavens, ministered in the way that they did. They went and planted churches, equipped them with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and with this gospel of Matthew, gave this as a gift of the church of how to go forward. And praise God, Christ Jesus has not come back yet. Because his patience is still working out an opportunity for those in the midst of the world to repent and receive Christ Jesus as their Lord. So we will pray for you as you express your faith of what Christ has done through you, through these people. And you have entered into a historical working out of God, not just applies here at Reliance, but back to new life, to grace, and churches before them that raised up leaders and sent. And so this is fitting and good for us to send you. And the reality is, is that as you observe them, we recognize that we are going through discipleship. And while you have been discipled, we have been discipled as well. And this concludes with this. Before I bring Brandon up, present before you. Why do we ask you to go out to this city? It's because God loves you. We love you. And we think much of you. And you're good for this city when you love the people of this city. And so it is easy and, easy and tempting to reevaluate and say, well, I just don't have the time. What one window of opportunity do you have to love people within this city? And I pray that you would think, think seriously of this because, Kim, do you need more people at you medical? If I was asked, those at Grace Kitchen, would, do you need more people there, Becky? Sue? Do we need more people there? Yeah. And there are... Young lives, there are refugees in the city that need the love of Christ in their lives. And so we want to be a people that respond like God, our Father. And we want to say, go. Express your faith. And when you, you get nervous and you don't know you can handle the gospel just right, don't be afraid. Jesus loves you. He has died for you. He has shown that love for you on the cross by paying the debt that you deserve. He paid it himself so that you might have hope and know God as your Father. And Jesus Christ is giving you his resurrection and the kingdom to come when he returns. And by sharing your love with his people, they will come to know the Father. I pray that you'll be faithful with that. And so on behalf of Reliance Brandon and Lisa, I remind you of these things. One, God our Father loved His Son, so He sent Him. Jesus loved His disciples, and He sent them into a world that was hostile.
three, we were sent through a church who loved Christ. They loved us and sent us. And so we now send you. And I'm going to invite Adam and the elders, Dave, Brian, and Gary, um, and Brandon. I'm going to ask here at the table for Brandon to, to do and lead us in communion today. But before we do this, we want to recognize that, uh, yeah, whether we recognize this reality in you or not, we God has been working in you. And through these people, it was in uh, Acts chapter 13, there was a church that God has established. And in that church, we saw a people recognizing Paul and Barnabas, that God had set them aside to be sent. And so God doesn't send his people away by their own intellect. And what we have enjoyed in you is throughout all these last six, seven years, you have made your... What was going on in here, you had revealed it to these men. And so when we came on Friday night to put your feet to the fire, uh, those men, which would include Tim at Crossroads and Dustin at Grace and Truth, before the, even the questions began, they had seen it in you already. And so it's our great privilege to present to you, to this congregation, of the work of Christ in you, that he has set you aside. He has equipped you and prepared you for this moment to be sent away. And I'm going to invite you, Reliance, that you would pray for this man. Ministry's hard. There'll be days in which you will see no fruit. And you'll be wondering, am I even doing anything? I would pray that you would stand true on these truths. That Christ came to save his people. And that you can be faithful in just proclaiming the gospel in those dark days. And when you find hostility, remember what the apostles did and in those moments. And be faithful to proclaim Christ always. You are now, what we have seen in you, a steward of the gospel. Be faithful. Whatever storm that you might experience, be faithful, whether it be prosperous or not. So I invite you to pray for us as we pray for Brandon as we recognize this affirmation. Lord, it's not... Usually uh, an opportunity that churches get to see one being sent. And you've gifted us with this reality. And so we want to say that we're thankful. We're thankful for the, the, the patience that you have uh, given towards Brandon and Lisa. Particularly to Brandon in his last six years as he is trying to discern what you want him to do with the one life you've given him. And while we recognize that you send many people in many different places, we recognize this unique opportunity in Brandon. He has been faithful. He has been faithful. He has been sacrificial. He has been humble. He is a man which has been one who desired this position. He has been one who has lived a life that is both pleasing in this church and in this community. We recognize what you have done through this man and continue to do. And we partner along with the IMB when they went through and put Brandon to the fire as well. They affirmed this reality. Brandon has been set aside for the mission field. And so we as a church also recognize this and want to affirm him. And so, Lord, I pray in the hours to come and the days to come, while it be just a few weeks, would you let us just love them well? 
And we know that time is sweet and precious. And Lord, whatever time that he has left with us, let us just pour our love in him. So that when he goes, he knows what you have set him out to do. So Lord, when he gets there, for whatever period of time that is, whatever hour that uh, he needs, Lord, we know your spirit will give him what he needs. And Lord, I pray as the church, we would be aware of those needs when they come. Keep him from sin, becoming disqualified. May he take the ministry which we set before him, what you have set before him seriously always. Let him flee from sin always. And so that he may be found faithful, so that those who watch his stewarding of the gospel and his family and his life, and when he proclaims it, it may pierce the heart of men and cause them to repent in Christ. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Brandon, I would like to ask you now to, for the first time, as Pastor Brandon, would you just... <laughs> as I ask the worship team to come, I'm going to ask you now to, uh, as the communion gatherers, or what do we call them, the communion ushers, would you guys come forward as well?